Hey everyone, welcome back. Welcome to Unlearn. Unlearn. I'm Kat. I'm Misha. And we have, this has been uh, an interesting January, to say the least. <laughs> it's my birth month. Okay, that's that is one thing that happened this month, definitely. <laughs> definitely. There are other things that happened this month. <laughs> uh, we lost our favorite first family. <laughs> uh, we have now a live Cheeto in office. Um, yeah, things are interesting in, in life right now. Cool, cool, cool. Black History Month is coming up. Um, that's cool. <laughs> and the next day, Trump <laughs> is probably going to sign an executive order banning <laughs> Black History Month. He's going to ban Black History Month ban Women's History Month and uh, remove MLK as a federal holiday in his next executive order. <laughs> yeah, ready. Yeah, get ready for that, y'all. Um, <laughs> he's going to come with a speech like, black people, you're not special anymore. Didn't know we were. Yeah, didn't know. <laughs> we were Equality we're, means we are all equal. That right. means you don't get anything special. <laughs> we learn a white history again. <laughs> Wait, when did we stop? I'm confused. <laughs> no, no race will get their own month ever again. Not in Trump's America. Not in my country. Wow. <sighs> JK. Well, oh, let's hope JK. This is, I mean, reality is now surreal. So who knows what will happen? Because we are living in the Twilight Zone. That leads us to our first segment. Uh, this week in transitions of power. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah. So that press conference. Wow. <laughs> Trump had the most people to attend his inauguration than any other inauguration in the history of inaugurations. Period. <laughs> period. <laughs> period. <laughs> it was so clear, though. I was like, do you got glaucoma? A cataract? <laughs> what are you looking at? Like, how do you... I? They're looking through their white privilege glasses. I have no idea. I know, they don't sell the them at way. Warby Parker. You can't find them you anywhere. You, find, you have to be born with them. <laughs> I don't have them. I just want to understand. And then when his um, Trump's representative was called out, she was like, they were not falsities. We were, we were presenting alternative facts. <laughs> An alternative fact is not real. It is a lie. If there is a fact and you're presenting an alternative fact, that is not. That doesn't these, <laughs> these facts are true in the alternate universe where Trump is also president, but everyone loves him. Yeah, <laughs> that is the truth. And it's just like, how can you really if you look at January 20th and then January 21st? There were there were definitely big crowds in D.C. that day, yeah. <laughs> except on the 20th. Basically, no one showed up. I think they estimated at 40, 50,000 when 2009 uh, inauguration with Barack Obama. Two hundred and no, it was like two hundred and fifty. No, four hundred. Uh, almost it was half a million people compared to 50,000 people. So, yeah, I just maybe, you know, it's that damn media manipulating everything again, showing like they were like flying a live helicopter. I'm just so confused. It's just 
I'm facts in this administration are not conjoining ideas. I'm like, if we are looking at an image on the screen and you tell me what I'm seeing isn't true, how can I trust anything? I mean, I already <laughs> knew I couldn't trust anything you can say. You were saying, but man, y'all came out the gate lying and hard. Like you're not just wrong; you're loud and wrong. And people have receipts on receipts on receipts to show you how wrong you are, and you just double down. It's just like, okay, this is this is the new America where. You this can be loud it. and you can be wrong because you're if you're white, you're right. Killing, just, ugh. Okay, let's talk about uh, the glorious facial expressions of Michelle Obama. Oh my God. She was turned internally though. She took off like all of the fucks that she had left. She left them in the White House <laughs> because that the inauguration was nothing but side eye that gift from melania she's just like what the fuck am i supposed to do with this like what, what uh, is this no and, and brock was like baby i got this baby i'll i'll handle this because michelle her, uh, she michelle. left all of her fucks inside the white house like she she was like like were you a dumb bitch like melania, who hands people like what look i feel sorry for melania me? she did not ask for this okay <laughs> i don't know what her and trump's relationship was <laughs> But I'm sure she didn't. She did not plan on trying to get with this man for his money and right. then become first lady. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this was not the path she set out for herself. Right now, maybe she did marry for love. Ooh, it's hard for me to that's... see that in an inanimate object of Trump. You know what I mean? <laughs> how could you love this? I but, I don't know how they're legally married. I did not know that you could marry processed uh, chips, but whatever. <laughs> like whatever you can marry Cheetos. It's you. That's legal now. Okay, cool. <laughs> But uh, yeah, Michelle Obama's side eye is what got me through that day. <laughs> I did not watch the inauguration because as someone who witnessed Obama's uh, actual inauguration in the flesh, traveled down to D.C. while I was in college in 2009, that was a, just an amazing moment mm. in my life. And I, you know, I'm not one to watch inaugurations because it's boring <laughs> it was boring i did watch it not because i wanted to because it was playing in my office <laughs> and well i was like if it's playing if it's gonna play regardless or not if i watch it there's already a view being added yeah. to this viewer count so it's yeah. not there's no reason for me to protest my office is still <laughs> adding to it so i watched it and i was terrified <laughs> his speech was terrifying it was terrifying i saw like clips of his speech i could he he's just very doom and gloom he's just like america's in trouble and i'm gonna rescue like america's some damsel in distress don't forget the words of obama that you me us listeners citizens of the u.s we have the power to fix america and we have the power to uh, to affect change don't believe this doom and gloom narrative of mm -hmm. donald j trump I mean, America I will say he did have a funny that. moment of the night, though. Yeah, he did have a funny moment when he was giving a speech at one of his dinners. And he said, Michelle Obama gives a speech. Everyone loves it. My wife, Melania, gives the same speech. <laughs> Everybody hates it. <laughs> I was like, no, this man did not just call his wife, throw his wife under the bus so that everybody would laugh at her. He sure did. <laughs> And then he made her stand up. He said, stand up, Melania, stand up. I said, are you serious, Trump? That was ruthless. This is the one time I would laugh at you, man, because that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Savage. Wow. Whoa. 
<laughs> threw your wife under the bus. <laughs> if he's going to throw his wife under the bus, he's for sure going to throw black people under the bus. Yes. Hashtag free Melania. <laughs> <laughs> so, the dance was so awkward. Ruthless. Everything about the relationship is awkward. Somebody said, Melania, blink twice if you need freedom. Right. <laughs> Oh, like it, like everyone said, like what could be in that box? And everyone's like, it's a crumpled up note that says, "Please help, <laughs> take me with you." I hope Michelle opened it and recycled it. She was like, "No," but no, I'm like, yeah, going on vacation. Feel bad for with Bay. Yeah, yeah, I feel bad for uh, the Statue of Liberty. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, I yeah, that's that is the transition of power. Um, first day, Trump signed some executive orders that screw uh middle class homeowners and tried to undermine the Affordable Care Act. Uh, the construction of the wall that he promised has not gone underway yet. There are no contractors. There's um. Nothing's happening, so I'm thinking maybe he's not going to build that wall. Uh, Hillary Clinton is still running around free because I'm, if I remember, those were the first things he was going to do. He was going to make sure Hillary Clinton went to jail and build a wall, like the first thing he signed. So this no, man instead must have never he, played with Legos. Like right? how are you going to build something? <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, dude, okay, bro, uh, sure, good to. Good to know that you are a lying sack of shit, which we already knew. But you know what? Comedy is going to be great for the next four years. We're we're going to have a lot of laughs. We'll to have a lot of star rising all stars. Of our tears. <laughs> yes. yes, comedy. <laughs> and this is this is off topic, but speaking of comedy, this is just something that I want to mention really quickly. Uh, when I was, I watched. Uh, SNL with Aziz Ansari on the show and I was just like when I heard that he was going to be on I just thought it was so bizarre but I couldn't understand why it was so bizarre I was like why has he never been on before he's fucking hilarious and I was just like I was like trying to uncover the reason like why do I think this is so weird that he's like never been on the show and then it's because SNL doesn't allow brown people on the show (laughs) he's the first in in SNL's 35 year history um he is the third age person of asian descent and the first south asian person to ever host the show and it's just like there are endless number of hilarious brown people one an endless like a lot of brown and like east asian and southeast asian actors and actresses Mm-hmm. that would kill on the show it's just like but you bring on some mm-hmm. chick from rogue one the week <laughs> before like just because you're in a star wars doesn't mean that you're you should be on snl you brought donald j trump on snl you should be ashamed of yourself Lauren michaels more people of color as hosts on your show because it was great game. his his episode was so hilarious was really good and more things with leslie jones because she just kills me she's so funny she's the funniest woman (laughs) i fucking love leslie jones she slays me anyway (laughs) and that's this weekend transition of power (laughs) now let's transition yeah (laughs) that was real smooth segue um okay so this is kind of like 
still on topic of like what we were talking about. We want to talk a little bit more about the Women's March and really highlight uh, women of color and intersectionality and where do women of color belong in this movement. Uh, so we discovered a post by Lakeisha Robinson of Arlington, Virginia, uh, kind of noting her a situation that happened when she was going to the Women's March in D.C. And so we're going to read it to you and we're going to talk about it and kind of talk about the space for women of color, even trans women, etc. in these movements. Here are Lakeisha's words. I felt conflicted about the Women's March since I heard about it. I'm glad I decided to attend part of it, but couldn't make the trip to DC before being reminded of why I purposely limit my exposure of whiteness and white women. The trains in DC were crazy this morning, but to be honest, living in DC, I'm used to sporting cultural and political events, clogging our sidewalks, streets, and trains. It's not a big deal. Try metroing out of the city after the independence day fireworks show. It's an hour-long wait just to enter the metro stop, and then an even longer wait to the crammed train car ride back home. God help the tourists who are lost and jam up the slow and smooth process in their confusion. But hey, having access in all D.C. has the offer mean, has to offer means putting up with tourists and the um, crowded train cars they bring. I was pleased to see that the platform nearest my house wasn't as crowded as I expected this morning. The train seemed to come every two to four minutes, more often than normal for a Saturday. But even though the platform wasn't crowded and the trains arrived frequently, in 15 minutes I watched three full trains roll by filled with pink-headed white women, none, none with room enough to accommodate the moderate crowds waiting to board. After watching the cycle a few times, I decided I had to try something different. I realized most people were traveling in groups and were not boarding unless they could get on together. The folks traveling, traveling alone were usually able to squeeze into, onto train cars when the doors would open. I watched twice as white women traveling alone squeezed their bodies into trains that were all accounted in all accounts crammed full. After witnessing this twice, I thought, why not? The next train pulls up, the doors open. I walk up the door and Becky Becky in the pink hat hashtag Becky in the pink hat puts her arm out and blocks me from entering which is bold but nothing to write home about but what happens next is exactly why being black around lots of white people is dangerous for black flesh Becky in the pink hat places her entire forearm on my abdomen her hand is wrapped around the left sleeve of my J crew filled mechanic jacket while the rest of her forearm, elbow included, has been placed against my stomach. I need to take a break here just to talk about it for a minute. I've never felt free enough to touch a white woman. I am scared of white women, if I'm being honest, and for good reason. White women's tears get people who look like me killed or best case fired. You can imagine calling the cops and telling them you were defending yourself against a white woman and have you seen what happens in Fort Worth when a white grown man laid his hands on a black child. Having been there in reverse of this situation, the boldest I've ever felt is to just now attempt to move when a white woman or man tries to push into a crowd metro train. 
I have never in my black life and all my burnt sienna years <laughs> extended a member of the sepia toned body to block a white person's path. I'm not that trill yet, but I hope to be someday. I looked at Becky in the pink hat and then I looked down at her arm on my body. Then I looked back at Becky. White feminist Becky then says to me, my baby is squished. There's no more room. White feminism by T- Tammy Lauren still has her hand on me <laughs> and I'm staring at it and thinking about how it came to rest there on my body. Then I look at her baby, a tallish girl in glasses with a purple coat who could not have been older than 12. While observing the two of them, mom clinging to her baby, the nearly at nearly the same height, the baby big as day, big as big as all guilt out. I couldn't help but be reminded of Lisa and Robin Arwen. But that's me, and I didn't say that. I'm writing it now, but I didn't say it out loud. I moved Lisa Arwen and the pink hat and the pink cat's hat arm off my jacket and pushed, much harder than I otherwise might, but into the crowded train car. Magically, space did indeed become available for my almond-colored body. Lisa and the Tully backup seekers were not pleased and she continued to complain loudly in her I'd like to speak with your manager voice <laughs> that her 5-1 baby was being crushed and squished. I felt embarrassed, ashamed, petty, and with a good deal pleased, but mostly I felt angry that safety pins and the pink hats didn't mean that I could be treated any differently. See, I deal with this all the time. This is why my white colleagues say, you're just so guarded. You're just so hard to approach. Yes, snitch, I am. I know that we're going to walk into this boardroom and through this vault doors, and you're going to tease me over my accent or passive-aggressive way to undermine my request to lead briefings. I am purposely hard to approach because the eight, from 8 to 5 p.m., 345 days a year, you only approach me to marvel and be bemused and befuddled over how different my hair is in the way to bond with the new boss. F you, Becky, and all your aggressions, micro and otherwise. And also F your false, misplaced, pseudo-concern for baby Becky, too. Should you ever find it in your heart to be half of interested in Trayvon, Tamir, Rakia, these marches would instantly be obsolete. I'm on the train, and I just want the doors to close and the train to move my time near Becky so my time near Becky can end as soon as possible. But the doors do not close, and the train does not move for what feels like a half of hour, but was only like 15 minutes. We waited on the track to clear ahead and ahead of us so we could finally move. It is during this time waiting for my hand to stop shaking and my disappointment of anger to subside. And I wrote a bunch of half-baked status messages on Facebook. Betsy was close enough to read them and I was glad and I found her glaring at my screen over my shoulder. I only wish I had called her Lisa Arwen sooner. <laughs> Eventually, the train doors closed and the train moved. Soon after, another white lady, the one not in the pink hat, asked if I was okay. I was not, and my answer was short, clipped, yeah. She asked if I lived in D.C. again, yeah. I made more posts on Facebook. Time passed. The train rocked back and forth, and I laid full weight on my body into Becky, Becky the older. The other random white lady again spoke up. She didn't ask me if I was okay this time. She instead told me that she was glad I had gotten on the train and she was sorry that they had not made room for me. She continued, we should have. You are welcome here. I'm sorry. It is important to note that Becky the Elder 
had not stopped complaining the whole time that I had started to tremble about 10 minutes into the ride. I cried for the rest of the train ride. Becky Arwen in the pink hat asked if I was claustrophobic. The white lady who wasn't walking, wasn't a walking white feminist meme told her, no, but thank you. That's white lady for, are you for real? (laughs) Then as I sobbed, mourning all the whiteness and white feminism that wrought the world, that they are, in fact, the reason why we have this stupid, pointless march. All the other random Beckys and pink hats who had until then reminded silent decided to speak up. They wanted to let it be known that sides, what side they were on pro making space for me or against really y'all Becky's are the most, the (laughs) most, my 2017 list of resolutions has to be amended to include an effort to just be self-assured that half as self-centered as these pink hat white ladies, the non pink hat white lady got off outside the March zone I'm not sure if she attended or not. The rest of Becky's and I stayed on the train. I got lit the next time those doors opened and they refused to make room for the next person. We read that and we're just like, oh, the life of a black woman, life of a woman of color. Uh, This hits home for me because I did not go to the march. And... I think it is because of this reason, because I don't quite know my place. And my question was, where were all of these women when all of this stuff was happening to minorities? Mm -hmm. And why is it that as soon as you're affected by what you perceive as oppression, you all show up and you all like take charge of the situation. And I just didn't feel comfortable attending. I mean, one of my questions is when do I just quote get over myself and march because one side of my identity (laughs) is you know is marching yeah but then like thinking of her um is it lakeisha yeah lakeisha's story like oh this is very real and the other part of my identity which says yeah but as soon as you get what you want you're going to throw us under the bus again do you know what i mean historically proven suffragettes i'm looking at you susan b anthony you're a notorious racist (laughs) but i'll save that for another episode how do you feel about this, Kat? You were at the march. I was at the march. Um, I, you know, today I laughed to myself because uh, I realized that for many of my intersecting identities, I will always be marching. I will always be marching because I am a woman. I will always be marching because I am black. I will always be marching because I am queer. Mm-hmm. And knowing that I have kind of, I, I'm just, I just start laughing because it's just like, wow, <laughs> I'm going to have to live under oppression for the rest of my life. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if one of your identities, they're like, okay, yeah. it's like, it's, I think it's fixed. You're like, okay, but I still have like nine more. Right. Sure. <laughs> so I have nine more portions that you're oppressing. So yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I feel blessed. I'm like able body and middle class. Um, so like, but the things about myself that I absolutely cannot change are, ones that <laughs> are the the most pressing but anyway uh i was at the movement i thought it was i thought it was pretty great it felt like a pretty good community mm-hmm. um it was at the marches i go to in chicago it's just like a lot of white people but they're chanting things like black lives matter native mm-hmm. lives matter 
and their signs are not like just pure like white feminist mm-hmm. crap it's like hey like trans lives matter mm-hmm. like let like let's look at these people of intersecting identities mm-hmm. um so like marches in chicago in my in my recent experience like it was a little different when i would go like 10 years ago but like just more recently there's been more attention paid to intersectionality um Mm -hmm. and inclusion and i saw you know though i saw a lot a lot a lot a lot of white women um there were a good amount of women of color Mm -hmm. as well and in a city that's like 33% 33% white, 33% black, 25% Latino. Um, it's like, you're going to have, it's going to, you're going to see that diversity uh, in the marching in the street. Mm-hmm. I, am I glad that I went? Um, yes, because it's either that or watch CNN, which my husband is obsessed with. <laughs> so it's always on our TV for some reason. Uh, it's either that or, watch cnn and watch these women march Mm. which is just like it's not enough for me Mm. you know um yeah i just i went out it's not like i was doing anything else i'm glad that i went out i fortunately did not have any incidents Mm -hmm. but the sentiment of her story just rang so clearly with me because like i have had several instances where white women had the nerve to put their hands on me mm-hmm. without me like touching them or provoking them like actively they think like honestly believe like I think one time one I offended this um I offended this white girl who was casually using the n-word so I <laughs> called her I called her a racist um and she's like five one and tiny little woman and just like you like you are like i didn't mean anything about it like she like i was right i was standing right in front of her and she says to her friends like you ready my nigga and i'm like no you little racist Mm -hmm. like she didn't say to me she said to her white friend i'm gonna speak for them they're not ready yeah and i'm not ready (laughs) to hear you use that word right and she's just like i'm just like using it casually like i'm not trying to offend anyone like it's not like i'm not a racist and she's like but racists say the word the n-word unless they're a black person like do you do you understand in-group out-group language tell tell our ancestors who were chained that you're not a racist right. when you call them that word. Right. And it's just like, you might not be referring to any person, but like the sentiment of racism is there. And, and so like, blah, blah, blah. Like it just like told her. And I was just, and then I was just like, I'm, I'm disgusted with you. And I walk away from her. Um, and so her friend who's like my height, my size, which would make it a fair fight. If <laughs> I wasn't from the South side of Chicago, uh, <laughs> which gives me a little bit of an Where? advantage <laughs> over anyone who, who wants to get a hand me, uh, had the nerve to be like, you made my f- friend cry and then hit me. <laughs> and I was just like, the sheer audacity of you laying, one, I did not hurt you in any way. I did not say a single word to you. Your friend is crying because she's a bigot. Like, <laughs> Because your friend is crying because she can't take a black person saying, "Hey, her out. you offend. You're offensive because you're saying a racist word. Like 
that's why your friend is crying and you have the so absolute like, audacity. You should have turned around and hit your friend me. in the face. Why you hit me right. in the face? You should have slapped some sense into her. But now you've just signed your death warrant. I don't advocate cool, violence, girl. by the way. But I was yeah. just saying, if you're going to yeah. be violent, choose the right party. Right. <laughs> but she's like... Uh, oh wow great and that, that's like one of several instances of like white women putting their hands on me i'm not going to tell you what happened that story but she definitely regretted it oh uh, my god i insane. think we get context clues yes use the context clues uh of what happened but anyway it's it's that very sentiment and i don't i don't put my hands on people because like it's so fucking touching someone's person is so disrespectful and I've just experienced a number of white women thinking that they have the uh, <laughs> that they have the right to my person, whether it's touching my hair. I don't care how much if you're complimenting it, telling me how soft and pretty it is. <laughs> this is it's attached to my body, so hands off. Yeah. And it's it's that it's it's like tough for me. Like I don't see this women's march as yeah. a white woman's march. <laughs> I see it as like like straight up like let's get some gender equality mm-hmm. in this bitch but like the more that i was like looking at signs the more i was looking at the different marches i don't know like mm-hmm. i feel i'm gonna always be out there for my identities but i know that i'm not gonna see any of them at the next black lives matter march yeah so I mean, you know, in Lakeisha's case, I think what's striking to me is the question physically, where is my space here? Right. And I think that is what was striking. And that was the question I was asking is, yes, I can show up in March. I mean, for one, I was just tired, so I slept. (laughs) I mean, I could show up for this March, but... What am I doing with when I'm adding my body here? Like what mm-hmm. what am I really contributing to? And yes, I can say that I'm contributing to the progress to progressing equality for my gender. But I just couldn't get over the fact that it doesn't change the fact that I'm a black woman mm-hmm. and after this march there's no guarantee that you're not going to show up for me in other ways. Yeah. Which maybe that's just something I have to get over because I'm like, look, at the end of the day, I'm going to be a black woman and then I'm going to have to fight for equalities for all the different parts of my identity. But it was just very hard for me to, it wasn't very hard for me to. And I, I, you're, I think that you're totally right in your sentiment. And that's like a very legitimate way to feel when like it's been historically shown that when it's time for white women to show up they don't and that you it's oh they showed up to. at the polls just for the one i didn't yeah. want <laughs> yeah they they showed, they showed up. up for d trump for <laughs> sure uh as um lakeisha's poster said nah said 94 black women 94 percent of black women nah the other six percent what that was for Trump. What happened, y'all? Uh, was it for Trump or was it for like third party candidates I or write ins? Third party, because I just, that even that little percentage would yeah. cause me to lose faith. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But 94% of us, we were like, nah. Mm-mm. Not today. Not, Not today. today. You ain't going back. You damn Cheeto devil. <laughs> uh, 
Y'all, Kat texted me yesterday and was like, this man has ruined Cheetos for me. <laughs> and she responded, man. what about Flaming Hots? And I was like, I got to gotta think about this. Yeah, I think. Because I'm a complex he, thinker. That's why I asked you that question. If he ever gets sunburned, then yes. They out. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> you ruined all snacks for me, man. Ugh. I, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, what is our place on this march? Um, well, I, and let me just say one more thing. I also mm-hmm. get, I also feel bad. I also feel bad when people not of color, that's my way of saying white women, <laughs> asked me, they were like, are you going to the march? And I was just like, mm, I don't really know. White women don't really show up for me in right, other ways. Right. That's very hard for me to say in the face of people i like (laughs) so i was just like nah i'm not going you know what i mean you know it's hard that enthusiasm (laughs) that enthusiasm they have but i'm like uh now there are some of them crunk (laughs) man you know white woman crunk shows up to everything yeah yeah definitely black definitely native women this 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 she's there everything more than me i need to be like her (laughs) uh the okay that's what the, that's like the problem with any movement that's not highly specific to your like identity mm-hmm. so like i show up to black lives matter marches that's more so benefiting black men mm-hmm. and it may not like that's probably not going to trickle down to black women who are subjected to high levels of violence that's not gonna protect trans black women it's not gonna like it's like, let's say that black people are no longer shot by the police. That's going to disproportionately benefit black men. Mm-hmm. But I still show up because I'm black. Yeah. And the Women's March, yes, white women are going to benefit. But I still show up mm-hmm. uh, for, like, queer marches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Gay men are going to benefit. Um but like I, I still show up. Cat can't win. I that last week's episode can't win. You can't win for nothing. So yeah, no, that's like there's I the movements that I truly like are for very specific identities. So like showing up for prison reform, showing up for sex workers, showing up mm-hmm. for like uh, like very specific mm-hmm. identities that protect a unprotected sub subset of people. Mm. That's the only ones I really like. But ugh, the broader the broader movements, it's just like I'm not doing this for my benefit. I'm doing this for part of my identity's benefit. It's it's there's it's no winning. It's a very yeah. shitty situation to be in. But it's like I'm I'm gonna still be there because of uh the shirt that i'm actually wearing reminds me on the daily basis why i show up yes you want me to read it me my shirt if you are neutral in situations of injustice you have chosen the side of the oppressor desmond tutu wise man i got i mean i have other things to say about him but like this this is the reason i show up because i cannot remain neutral i cannot remain silent like this is real but that was hard for me <laughs> is that i'm sorry to go back to this i'm venting on air <laughs> it's like i haven't seen you post one thing about 
the Dakota Access Pipeline right. or black women or queer folks or transgender folks or f- for rape culture. Right. And yet all of a sudden I see like 15 pictures of you at the Women's March. <laughs> First of all, I have a really big problem. I think this comes from my evangelical days mm-hmm. of self-promotion. Like mm-hmm. even if I would have went to the march, I would not have posted a picture. Yeah. But I was just like, but where were you for all of these other causes? And right. then all of a sudden, you're the most progressive person I know. You know what I mean? Like, how did that transition happen in the matter of one? Is it because of Trump that's making you woke now? I right. just, if that's the case, I'm glad. But I think that was just the moment for me is all of a sudden it went for, it went from, you're talking about your vacation. You're talking about how little Freddie learned how to walk. Great. You talked about how this thing is on sale. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you're like marching with women in pink hats and holding up things about people grabbing your pussy. It's right. like, what? <laughs> Where were you like a year ago when this happened and this person was being shot? I think, you know, humans grow and human, hum, humans evolve. Mm-hmm. But I just don't want to, I just can't believe that. 90% of the white women on my Facebook wall all of a sudden became <laughs> <laughs> turned for the causes. You know what I mean? Like, I just, maybe I'm a pessimist. I just mm-hmm. can't believe it to be the case. <laughs> it's like, dang, y'all see that this man about to take y'all's rights away and y'all getting turned. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. For recognizing what people of color and others have known <laughs> since the time they were born. <laughs> Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to finish with our final segment. Hey, y'all, it's Lauren Ash. Hey, it's Zakiya Najiba. Welcome to the Black Girl Gnome podcast. Black Girl Gnome creates space for women of color to breathe easy. Through our podcast and our entire lifestyle brand, we promote holistic wellness and inner beauty for women of color, and we encourage self-care, self-love, and self-empowerment for communities of color. So we are basically here to help y'all get y'all lives together. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And also, please check out our podcast at blackgirlandown.com slash podcasts, as well as our online publication. Take care of your mind. And don't forget to breathe easy, (laughs) y'all. Welcome back. Uh, We're going back to our, we're going to do the second part of our six part series, Opt Out of White Feminism, which it goes perfectly with this show. (laughs) This like episode is like really flowed well together. I don't know. This all all came together last minute, y'all. Listen, I don't know how it happened. Just, it's so perfect. Uh, One of the most well-known and common concepts of opting out of white feminism is intersectionality, which I think like over the last five years has just gotten huge, like so well known. And the first person to kind of to bring this concept to academia is Kimberly Crenshaw, um, who's the executive director of the African-American Policy Forum and a professor of law at Columbia University. And she just, uh, I know she's slaying, go girl. Uh, But (laughs) Crenshaw just discusses, it's the first one to like discuss this concept of intersectionality, which is like kind of crazy that is like, hasn't really come up before, but it's just gotten huge in the last five years. So basically intersectionality is um, talking about how race, gender identity, sexuality, uh, ability status, like 
religion, (laughs) how all of these concepts play into how people perceive you, um, what societal level you are and how some groups have more power than other groups. So for example, white women have more power than women of color, which is well known, (laughs) uh, which we don't really need to tell you listener, Mm -hmm. um, or how a, black gay man has more power than a trans woman of any race or ethnicity. Um, and it's just, it's, it's just uh, understanding how, though we may all be a part of one movement, like it's, you know, LGBTQ, but it's just like, you know, white gay men to the front and then ascending order of other gay men. <laughs> and, and then it's like, okay, lesbians now is like yours by, by bisexual people. You don't really exist, but we got the B in here. So Just shut up. Stop can, complaining. Like, I don't, I don't want to get into this, but like one day we have to discuss biphobia yes. and ha- and the erasure of bi people because as one of those said people, uh, we out here and we real. You know what I think this concept gets at though is identity is complex. Yeah. And I don't think that most, mm, I'm going to step back. I don't <laughs> think that some people can grasp how complex identity is mm-hmm. when it comes to how you might have allegiance to one of your identities, how you, one identity might be salient because of the oppression you receive because mm. of it. And I think that's why that, you know, people who are bisexual have such a hard time. Like you should not have to be making your case like this, but they have to make their case because people cannot conceptualize of something not existing in binary and like a binary. You know what I mean? I just think if you're going to be a part of a movement, you have to understand the complexity of identity and what people are bringing to the table. So when you're marching as a white woman, you have to understand that you're not marching for all forms of freedom. Right. That when Kat shows up, when I shows up, when I show up, okay, yeah, even if we get to the point of where we get a dollar and we can buy birth controls and we can do, you know, X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, that doesn't change the fact that with my afro's out, I'm probably going to be more likely to be followed than you. You right. know what I mean? Well, you definitely know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just um, understanding that, like, you just, I think people need to make a more conscious effort to understanding where your privilege lies and what identities your privilege mm-hmm. lies and and support those that are marginalized because it's if you're if you're down for the cause you need to be down for all the causes this is why this in our episode where we were like can you really be woke if you ain't woke for everybody yep. are you just sleepwalking on some identities <laughs> if you like if you want to be woke you better actually wake the fuck up and realize that intersectionality is real and that people people's identities impact them in greater ways that, than you can mm-hmm. ever imagine and be empathetic to that, not apathetic. Ugh, I got a lot of things to say about intersectionalities, but we are almost out of time, so. We are out of time. We're out of time. But I could talk about intersectionality all day, all night. Some people need it. Yeah, I'm including myself. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thanks for listening, y'all. If y'all went to the Women's March, tell me, share with us some of your experiences. What did you think? How 
did this episode kind of change your perspective of like what you experience um yeah share with us your feels you can share with us by emailing us at unlearned podcast at gmail.com you can uh put a post on our facebook page also like us on facebook um <laughs> you can tweet at us at unlearn underscore shy um if you haven't yet subscribe on if you haven't yet, you can hit subscribe on Google Play, Stitcher, or iTunes. Um, thanks to James T. Green for graphics and music. And, like, yeah, guys, heads up. You know how to find us. Uh, if you know us personally, you can also text us. <laughs> 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 which, which y'all know who you are. <laughs> um... Yeah, thanks for listening to today's show. We would love to hear some of your thoughts and opinions. Uh, and have a great day in Trump's America. Oof, ugh, sounds this bitter in my mouth. Disgusting. Yuck. <laughs> See you guys later. Bye. Bye. Post loudness. Audio.